Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'd like to welcome you, uh, everyone who is watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call interview series. As always, I'm Will Driscoll, the executive director here at the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, hoping everyone gets is, is having a good start to the fall season. We were just talking a little bit offline about that. It's crazy how fast the year has gone. Um, as always, though, I would love to, to thank our sponsors who help make Hall Call and everything we do here at the Hall of Fame possible. Priority Automotive, the City of Virginia Beach, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, ESPN Radio and ESPN Radio 94.1, and of course our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Um, you know, this this hall call is going to take a little bit of a different tone. You know, we were saddened to learn uh, of the passing last week of Surrey County native and NFL great Roger Brown. Uh, Brown passed away last Friday at the age of 84, and and at six foot five and 300 pounds, that back in his playing days, uh, he certainly cut an imposing figure. Um, on NFL defensive lines for 10 seasons. In fact, he played on two legendary defensive lines, both known as the Fearsome Foursomes, and there was one common denominator between those two, and that was Roger Brown. Uh, joining us today on the Hall Call interview series, kind of talk about his career, his life after football, and the legacy that he's going that he's left now here in Hampton Roads and Virginia beyond, uh, is, is Larry Rubama from the Virginian Pilot, sports columnist at the Pilot. Larry is covered Roger for many, many years, and, and we're happy to get his perspective today on uh, on Roger's life and legacy. So, Larry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Will. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. So you can follow Larry on Twitter at LH Rubama. Uh, he covers all sorts of sports here in Hampton Roads, and, and he's definitely a good read and a good follow. Obviously, if you have any questions, this is on Facebook Live. So if you have any questions you want to ask something about Roger's life, please do, and we'll try to get those over. Uh, but I guess we'll go ahead and kick it off this way. You know, what was a quality that stuck out to you about Roger in all the years that you covered him? Humility. Um, you know, you, you, you don't realize as you're talking with him, just the past that he lived. And um, I never forget the first time I got to meet him was probably like about, probably about 10 years ago. I was eating eating at his restaurant and went down the hallway when you see all the great things that are up there. And I, I couldn't even get to, I was supposed to go to the restroom. My wife like, took so long. And I was like, I said, you won't believe what this guy has done. And and then shortly after that, I got a chance to interview him. And um, you just, but he was so humble. He didn't, I mean, he may have talked about it, but he didn't make you realize just how great he was. And the one thing I'll never forget is I talked to my father, who's 82, and I said, you ever heard of Roger Brown? Said, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, Roger Brown. And I said, well, dad, I actually got a chance to meet with him and talk to him. He said, Roger Brown? I said, yes, he owns a restaurant now down in uh, in our area in Hampton Roads. And um, just to hear my, my, my father's excitement talking about Roger Brown, I knew, you know, I knew, I said, I'm talking to a legend, you know, when I was talking to him. So it, it, it was, but just his humility, you know, you didn't really realize what a great player he was, um, you know, at talking to him. You just didn't know it. You know, he was humble, but he also had a sense of humor. And, and one of those <laughs> things that he had in his restaurant was a statue of Bart Starr. And, and for those who don't know, one of Rogers, uh, probably one of the most legendary games in NFL history was Thanksgiving Day in 1962, Lions versus Packers. And he sacked Bart Starr seven times. But then he had the sense of humor to put a statue of him up in the restaurant. <laughs> did he ever talk to you about that game? He did. We were, the, in fact, the last time I talked was about a year ago when I did the story on him about getting into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and I went past it and he told me, he says, yeah, you know, you know what I did? And I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And, and to hear him just talk about it, um, but also to hear the other people who remember it as well, um, you know, to, to reflect on what he did, the accomplishment that he did. Um, you know, he, but yeah, he definitely talked about it. He definitely talked about it. <laughs> 
So, you know, you, you've, you've covered Roger, and like you said, you actually talked to him last year, kind of talking yeah, about the candidacy yeah. for the Hall of Fame. But in talking to his peers, what stuck out to you about hearing from them what Roger meant and his legacy from them? What, what stuck out to you in talking to peers of Roger's? Well, a lot of them talk about, you know, almost like a gentle giant. You know, you, you didn't want to upset him on the field, but off the field, he was a completely different person. Just, you know, very um, uh, easy to talk to, um, always giving you advice. Also, you know, just just a, just a very personal person. And you wouldn't know it from a person who is just a giant. I mean, one of the things I didn't realize is he was, was, was one of the first 300-pound linemen in the NFL. And people don't know that, but as fierce as he looks, and he has those pictures that were on the that show how fierce he was you didn't realize he was uh, also a gentle giant and the people the, the respect that i got from um that people talked about him all the time was the thing that i loved the most when you talk to him about just what of a player he was just respect to have him even after all these years you figure out how many years it's been and he still remember just what kind of a player he was and that says a lot because you know sometimes you kind of forget how good a person is you might just say oh yeah he was a good person but or he was a good player but these guys actually realized just how great of a player he was. And I think that just shows the respect as him, not only as a player, but also as a person. You know, you, you mentioned it, it has been a long time. His, his career was 10 seasons, but it, it ended. His last season was 1969. So here we are more than half a century gone. But in that time period where he was at University of Maryland Eastern Shore for college, and then he got drafted into the NFL, you mentioned 6'5", 300 pounds. They, they just were not, they weren't a dime a dozen like they are now. So his athleticism was kind of before its time. What was his greatest asset on the football field? Well, his speed. I mean, a lot of people don't realize. I remember one of the stories that I talked to him um, when we talked about a year ago was, I mean, he was also, I believe he played tight end. I think he even said he was a running back. And they only they moved him to the line because he was so big. But I mean, he was so fast and so quick and um and agile for, you know, you know, not to talk about some people, but you know, you look back 20 years ago and you hear of a person that's 300 pounds, they're not moving like he was moving. And so when you when you realize just how talented he was and how gifted he was, um, but he was just a very uh, elusive player as well, and um, could play many positions. And that's one of the things he he um, spoke pride about was like, you know what, I wasn't just a defensive end. I also could run the ball. I could catch the ball. He could do different things. And that's one thing he always made sure he told me. You know, I, he's I could run too. I could run too. I was like, yeah, I believe you could. I would I wouldn't want you chasing me. That's <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I think one of one of my the, my favorite quotes I read is that he. He said he had 12 operations and he had plenty of broken bones, but he caused way more broken bones yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on the football field. <laughs> you know, for, for the young people out there, you know, who, who might only be learning about Roger and, and his career now, um, what's, a, what's like a modern day comp for him? Either somebody currently playing or somebody in like recent memory. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, the one that I kind of remember, but this is even going back to a two tall Jones type player, uh, that defensive end who create havoc. I'm just thinking, I, you know, I don't want to say Aaron Donald because they're kind of the big guys that can move, yeah. but Aaron kind of a little bit more physical. But um, I, I, mean, I probably say Aaron Donald just because of how he dominated on that line. And and that's, you know, that's exactly what Roger did. I mean, he dominated on his line. And and like you said, he's part of two of the greatest fears and force. I mean, how many people can say that? And um, so, you know, they create, they create, both of them create fear. <laughs> so I, yeah, I would say, I would say Aaron Donald, not Aaron. It was, of course, wasn't as tall as Roger, but um, just their size and what they could do with their size. I think I would say probably Aaron Donald. Could you imagine the two? I mean, both of them played oh. for the Rams. Could you imagine the oh. two of them battling out in practice? Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. You need a referee there to stop it. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it would be crazy. It would be crazy. Well, you know, Roger was kind of, 
Rogers his candidacy for the Pro Football Hall of Fame has kind of been punished by the fact that the main set the main stat sacks wasn't really official until 1982. Now they have gone back and they've credited him with 79 sacks, I believe, and, and 15 fumble recoveries. But you know. Right now, we look at guys and we we compare them to their time period. Well, you're playing with 32 teams now, so the, there's a there's a larger gap in the talent pool. He was playing in a 14 game season against only 12 teams, going up against Pro Bowlers every single week. How much should that help his candidacy when talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame? You would think it would help that much more because only the few and the great ones got to play. Now I'm not saying every player that's in the NFL now, of course, is great. But back then, you only had it was only just a select few were getting in. And and it's amazing to me when you look at some of the players who are getting in that I've seen over the last 10 to 15 years, and you see their stats, and then you look and you're like, well, how come Roger Brown's not in the Hall of Fame? Um, and, and, and that's the one thing I heard from a lot of people. They said they, they can't believe that he's not in yet. And I know I've, I've read letters that uh, were written by uh, Joe Theismann and, and Paul Horning and uh, just different people talking about why he should be there. And for those guys to speak out about, especially Paul Horning, I mean, talking about one of the greatest Green Bay Packers player ever, for them to say, it, you, you wonder what, 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 what's missing, what's going on? Um, and and that, that's a sad thing is that, the, you know, the one thing I'll never forget when I talked to him, he says he would hope he could go into the Hall of Fame, basically uh, being able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That he's gone. When I heard that he passed, it was the first thing that came to my mind was he said, you know, he wanted to go in uh, uh, vertical, not horizontal. And it, that stuck in my mind because now he won't get the chance to be able to enjoy that moment. You know, enjoy your flowers while you're alive. And now, you know, I hope now. That's just I hope now, but now, now that he is gone, I, I hope they made it make a, a stronger look to say, you know what, he belongs in. Because you see a lot of these players that go in and you're like, how can he not be in there? And so I, uh, he's in the college football. Hall, I mean, he's in so many different Hall of Fames. And so you would think that his work was enough to be able to get in. So I, I really hope that now he will get in. I just feel bad that he won't be there to be able to enjoy that moment. Well, let, let's, you know, kind of use this platform to continue that conversation. You know, he, there are a lot of guys who, who aren't in, they don't necessarily like talking about it. You know, they, it's, it's almost kind of a superstition, you know, don't touch the Stanley Cup if you, if you haven't won it. But he didn't have a problem talking about it. He was very open about talking about that. And did he ever offer up any, any explanation or kind of idea as to why he might not have gotten into this point? When we were talking the last time, he wouldn't go on record to talk about it, but he said, how did he say? He said, I'll leave it at this. I think I know some reasons why I might not be in. And he kind of just left it alone. And I I wasn't going to bring it back up again either because, you know, we did talk about it. But, you know, he, he can't give me a whole lot of information about why and why he felt he should be in. But then the one of the things I'll never forget is he says, you know, you know, there's one thing. There's a couple of things that I think may have kept me from going in. Um, but he didn't elaborate and um, I didn't ask him to go any further about it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what went on, but um, I, I just, it's hard to believe that he's not in. I mean, you look at his, what he's done. I think his record proves for itself that he should be in, um, especially when you look at some of the other players who've gone in. <laughs> That's my main thing. You look at some of the players who are in now, it's like, well, okay. I mean, you know, yeah, but so how come he's not in? Um but, I, you know, I know we can do that for a whole lot of different players, probably. But I just think he should have been, especially when I think they even have like a, um, uh, a old timers committee or something like that, too. You would think that those players. Committee. Yeah, the senior committee. Yeah, is what yeah I the senior committee. It. Yeah. But the thing is, though, in about 20 more years, though, they won't be around. So mm-hmm. I'm like, these next 10 years is when the, the push has really got to come to get him in. 
You, you mentioned one of the first things you mentioned in this interview was his humility. And I was listening to a, a, a podcast he did a couple, uh, probably about five or six years ago. And they were talking to him about, about the Hall of Fame. And, and he said he obviously wants to be in, but he also takes great pride in the fact that by being a force on those defensive lines, he helped other people get into the Hall of Fame, yeah. some of his teammates. And, and so that's, there's no fault of his own there. But do you think the fact that he played with so many other greats has kind of hurt his candidacy because everybody's looking at the Deacon Joneses and right. the, the Merlin Olsons and even some right. of the defensive backs he played with. Right. I, you know, you're right. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I guess they, in the way they say, everybody can't get in. So yeah. take the, the ones, the name, well, you know, the well-known name, we'll, we'll take them in. Um, but I, I think when I spoke to him again a year ago, he mentioned the fact um, that I forgot which one it was, but he said, yeah, well, he's in the Hall of Fame. And I know I was just as good as he is. I wonder why I'm not in there. Um, and, and he wasn't he wasn't bitter at all. I, you know, I want to make sure people realize he wasn't bitter at all, but he just kind of questioned, um, why, why, why am I not in there? And you know when you've left a legacy, you've done what you could in the field, and you know who you played with and you played against, you think that, you know, hey, I should be there too. And so um, he, he, didn't, he wasn't bitter at all, you know, talking about it, but he just kind of thought, well, if that guy's in and that guy's in, I mean, why, why am I not in? You know, just threw that question out there. <laughs> but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right. If I had my choice, you'd be in. <laughs> that's right. If I were on the senior committee, you'd have to vote. We obviously right. know where the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame stands on that. Right, right, right. Um, but how real is recency bias? Just because it has now been, you know, over a half century since, since he played. I'm sorry, so repeat that question again. How how real is recency bias since it has been over a half yeah, century since yeah. he played? Yeah, because people forget that quickly. I mean, we forget the people that played in the 70s and the 80s. So it, it, the longer they're out, and I think that's why I think um, when I talk to different people trying to put, when I wrote that story, it's like, hey, don't forget about this guy. Don't forget about this guy. And I know they're not going to look at my story to push him in, but, but you hope that you just want to make people remember, hey, don't forget about these guys. And, and there's a lot of other guys in our area who I've written stories about as well. You know, Cornell Gordon, he played for the New York Jets. Another guy who a lot of people in the area, when I wrote the story, they didn't know who he was and they're from here. And it's like, wow, you know, so you you forget because we didn't have social media and ESPN and all these different other shows that put the, you know, put those guys out there. So you kind of forget, but it was good to know that, you know, he did get, um, I know he got his, his name in the ring up at the Detroit Lions and he was named one of the top players ever by the, the newspaper up there in Detroit. So they had not forgot about him, but you're right. The longer <laughs> 10 years from now, how many people will remember him? And that's the thing when, if it's not somebody who's relevant and um, causing issues, you, you, you tend to forget about those people who are deserving to be in. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the halls that he is in, the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, College Football yep. Hall of Fame, Black College mm -hmm. Football Hall of Fame, both rings of honors for the Rams and the Lions. It really right, seems that right. this is the last, the, the last box that needs to be ticked. Um, you know, have you had a chance to talk to a guy like Kenny Easley who had to wait for his chance to get into the to the Hall of Fame and, and kind of like how how that approach? Because I know that, you know, Kenny was very vocal about yeah, he, yeah. he felt that he should be in and he, yeah, he finally yeah. did get in four years ago. No, I, I never I spoke to Kenny Easley, but not about that topic. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, you know, I, I give another different sport, but same thing, you know, got Bobby Dandridge. Mm -hmm. like, who he had put up numbers. Other people had talked about how great he was and he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. And when he least expects it, now he, then he gets in. But, you know, I just can't imagine being a player of, of their caliber and what they have accomplished to sit there and just think all the time, especially when you see other guys getting, you're like, man, he's in. I know I'm better than he than he was, but he's in. And, and those guys who are getting in are the ones that played in the 80s and the 90s 
Whereas if you play back in the 60s and 70s, they kind of just forget about you. So, you know, Kenny never talked about it. When I, when we talked about it, we talked about different topics, but I can just imagine how you, in your mind, you're always thinking every year when the Hall of Fame comes around, you're thinking, oh, why am I not, you know, my disappointment again, you know, you look at Drew Harrison when he got in and, and the emotions he showed, he was angry every year that he wasn't getting in. Then when he finally got in, he was kind of like, oh, about time somebody recognized what I did. But that, that's that's the thing. I mean, I know they can only let so many people in, but again, the one thing I know, when especially when I'm talking to Roger, was he looked at some of the people who were in already, and he's like, they're in and I'm not in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, hopefully hopefully one day in the near future, we'll be able to, to kind of go back and, yeah, and celebrate yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but kind of moving away from football, I mean, we obviously know that there, the reason there's a reason he's in all of these halls of fame, and it's because of what he did on the football field. But I think you really look, you really find the sense of someone's character by the impact that they made off of it. You know, in, in learning more about Roger and in covering Roger, what was he passionate about away from football? You know, I, I think um, he, he seemed like he always wanted to give back it, different things that he did. Um, you know, uh, different endeavors that he did. He had a love for the people. And, you know, he talked about, I remember, I think it was in either Cleveland, Chicago, when he opened up the restaurant, he talked about the people that he touched, the lives that he touched. Um, and the one thing that, that humbled me, the, he, he was a country boy, you know, and he talked about growing up on a, in, a, in a small area and, and to see how he went from that to where he is now, um, he, he showed a lot of pride in that, knowing what he came from. And um, there's a lot of players that we realized who didn't have, you know, were playing in these big cities or playing for these big schools. I mean, like you said, he, he came from a small town in, in, in Virginia, went to Maryland Eastern Shore, which wasn't even Maryland Eastern Shore then. They don't even have a football team. Maryland now. State, I believe, is what it was Maryland State was the name, right, right. To go there and to make it to the NFL from there, it's just, you know, and I think he, I think he took pride in that, knowing that, you know what, I wasn't, that well-known person coming out, um, you know, was barely getting any notice, was getting, you know, di different scholarship offers or anything like that. And then he goes to school like Maryland State at that time. And to make it to the NFL when you only have how many, half the many teams they probably have now, you know, and to, to get to that point. And so, um, and to play as long as he did um, through the injuries. And I remember he talked about, you know, going through the injuries, you're paying, playing through the pain. Um, you know, now these guys get a, a you know, a, uh, I want to say that a uh, uh, hangnail is, <laughs> but these guys, in a second they're like I'm not playing. And hey, those can be painful. <laughs> yes, they are. I was gonna say I was gonna say turf toe, but I've had that, and that's very painful. But you see the injuries that these guys have sometimes now, and it's kind of like wow. I mean, when he was playing, he I mean, one of the things I never forget. He said, "If you didn't play, you have you might not be playing again." And so those are those guys. When you look at those guys who played through the '60s and '70s and didn't get paid a whole lot of money like they're making now. You know, and he talked about that as well, um, talking about how much money these guys make now and how back then it was for the love of the game. Not that the players today don't love the game, but it was for the love of the game because you had another job outside of football as well. You played football during the season and then in the offseason, you had another job. And so when I when I think about just the, the uh, kids use this word now grinding, the grind that he did coming from a small school in high school, going to a small uh, historically black college and then making it into the league and playing as long as he did and to actually leave something there, a legacy there. Um, that's what he was most proud of coming from where he came from.
and choosing to stay at, at Maryland State at the time, too, because he, he was even on record as saying he wanted initially he thought that was going to be a stepping stone to a scholarship to a bigger school. But he ended up staying his entire college career at Maryland State. And I think that that, again, kind of speaks to his character. But, you know, following football, he get you mentioned he got into the restaurant business and he had that restaurant and it's still it still is there in downtown Portsmouth. Roger Browns, it has his name. How much did he love that restaurant and the community that 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 one building kind of gave to the greater community. Well, it's funny. Every time I would interview him, it wasn't, let's go meet here, let's go meet there. He said, come down to the restaurant. <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, just something with his name, something that, you know, everybody wants a legacy. Everybody wants something that when they leave, they have something that people remember. And and now his restaurant serves as that legacy. And, and um, as a, the last story I wrote about him a year ago was, it was like going through a hall of fame as you went down, uh, as you walked through there, as you walked from um, that one part near the bathrooms all the way down and you see all the different memorabilia. That he, he took a lot of pride in that. And and I'm glad that he did that because some people might not want to do that, but you know, and I remember the last time we walked down there, he looked at a lot of different pictures. And the one that I I, I saw the first time, but didn't really recognize till we went back the last time was the one when he had, was the all-star team, the college all-star team. and you go back and you look and he went through and started pointing out some of the top players that were on that photo that he played with. And so he took a lot of pride in that as well, but he, he, he really enjoyed what he was able to accomplish um, in the restaurant business. He talked about what he, what he did when he was up in Chicago and how it came down here and, and just the involvement. And you talk about a person who not only persevered on the football field, but also in that business, you know, we have a lot of athletes sometimes who, who don't make that transition. And I think the one thing he was proud about was that he was able to make that transition from football to the restaurant business to, you know, everything else that he did as well. What do you think was a quality that helped him become a successful businessman no. outside of football? People person. I mean, you sit down and talk to, he could be, he could, nobody was a stranger to him. He could sit down and talk to you. And, and then, you know, I never forget, somebody was telling me one time that they sat down in his restaurant and he sat down next to them one time and just started talking to them. And they didn't realize that that was Roger Brown. You know, they said, oh yeah, you know, okay, Roger Brown. And then they realized, I said, well, do you know what kind of an athlete he was? They didn't even know anything about his sports history. They just knew about Roger Brown, the restaurant. And, uh, but definitely a people person. He can make you feel, you didn't feel like, uh, you didn't feel like a stranger when you met him. And I think um, that just goes to show just what kind of person he was. Well, I, yeah, I know that it was not uncommon to see him at Roger Brown. <laughs> it, it, that was not just the name on the marquee. Like he, no. he was there. <laughs> and well, I'll get you out of here on this then. You know, what is the world missing without Roger Brown? I, one of the last, and I think we ran one of the photos too, is um, that smile. Um, just a genuine person, um, a people person, a person who cared. Um, a person who um, he didn't strive to, to to let people know how great he was, but and he, but he was great. And I think you know you hear this a lot of times. It's kind of a cliche, but he was a better person than he was a football player. And uh, you know, just being able to talk to him, I, like I said, when I heard the news that he passed, um, they had told, kind of warned me about a, a couple of days before that it might be happening. And and all I could think back was, you know, he let me have forty five minutes of his time to just sit and talk. And um, I will I will never forget that. Um, just listen to him talk about his life, um, talking about the things that he did, talk about the things that that he was proud of, the things that he wasn't so proud of. Um, but just for him to just be, he, and he let me be able to sit there and be a fly on the wall and just uh, capture it all. And I just thank him for that. I'm going to miss him for that. 
um, because of the type of person he was, just a genuine person. Um, and you, you don't, especially with athletes these days, you don't get somebody who's like that all the time. And so I just, uh, you know, I, th I thank God for that opportunity to me for be able to speak to him and for him giving me that time um, to do that interview. And um, and, he, and the best thing is, he says, you did a great job. And so that was like, thank you. That, you know, when you hear that from him, I was like, okay, I, job well done. <laughs> well, you know, in, in the years of watching the coverage of, of him and even the restaurant, just the things that he's done in the community, it, it was always apparent that he was an open book. Um, yeah. And he's obviously a Hall of Famer here at, uh, at the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, but he's just a, a Hall of Fame person in general. And one that we we will miss. And yeah, uh, yeah definitely. And uh, and I just want to I want to thank you for taking the time today to, oh, to kind of give you. us some perspective into that life and legacy. Because like we said, he he stopped playing sports over a half century ago, and so yeah. I think it's important yeah. to make sure that people really understand the impact that he made. And so we'll and 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 again, thank you for taking that time today to help us do that. Well, I appreciate. It. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, make sure you follow Larry on Twitter at LH Rubama. Again, he's the columnist for the Virginian Pilot, does great coverage with high school sports and, and really all things here in Hampton Roads. Uh, I'd like to thank again our sponsors, Priority Automotive, the City of Virginia Beach, Davcon Inc., ESPN Radio 94.1, and Optima Health. Be sure to follow the hall on all of our social media platforms at VA Sports HOF. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, and whatever you do, participate, don't spectate. We'll see you guys next time.